Welcome to the Tech and Main Presents Podcast with your host, Sean St. Hill. Sean is the CEO of Tech and Main, a technology consulting firm in Atlanta, Georgia. Listen in as thought leaders share their tips and insights about what's going on in the world of technology. And now, here's your host, Sean St. Hill. Thank you for joining another episode of Tech and Main Presents, where we bring you the best insights from today's leaders and experts in technology. Today, we have an amazing episode. Today, we will be speaking with Deidre Diamond. Deidre is the founder and CEO of CyberSN. We also have with us Samara Williams, and Samara runs threat operations at Cardinal Health in Columbus, Ohio. Ladies, welcome back to the Tech and Main Presents podcast. Great. Hey there. Thanks for having us. Oh, you're welcome. And so... As I alluded to just a second ago, Deidre and Samara are both previous guests of the episode. Today, we are going to talk about emotional intelligence. And in talking with um, these two great ladies, they have a passion around emotional intelligence. And we are going to get into some of that during our time together on this episode. But before we do that, um, Samara, why don't we start out with you and just share a little bit of your background um, for those that may not be familiar with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a, a much larger sort of um, how I came to the emotional intelligence research and stuff. Do you want me to go into that or say it a little bit? You can, as as, as much as you it? feel led to share, Sam, you please, go ahead. See, that's where you messed up. Don't tell me as much as I want. Samara <laughs> so, Williams, I am manager of threat operations at Cardinal Health. We do threat intelligence. We do vulnerability management, threat modeling, technical risk communications, all of which surround technical details that need to be communicated in a mature, right, and empathetic, understanding, considerate manner. So I put a lot of weight on emotional intelligence in my interview process and my professional development in others, how I grow others. And I can go a little bit further back into how I got into it. And I um, essentially moved up to Columbus, Ohio from San Antonio, Texas for an opportunity um, in cybersecurity. And I got to rotate through different companies in cybersecurity, it matured me so quickly. It was a two-year program. And then those companies had pick of the litter. One picked me, and then I jumped to the another, to another one because of a great opportunity that I had, right? That's the super quick intro. But essentially, what got me into um, emotional intelligence is we did a, a strengths finders test, right? And a lot of the strengths finders I had was all in self. And that's not surprising because I was pretty self-absorbed in my early 20s, still a little bit. But I noticed that I had like nothing in relationship management, nothing, 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 nothing. So I was like, this has got to change. I I made a lot of observations when I first moved to Columbus. The InfoSec community was so small. I've got to build relationships. How do I get better? I researched it until I was tired of of talking about it. And ever since then, I retook that that, uh, StrengthsFinders test. And I've got much more across the board I've got a lot in relationship management, self-management, self-awareness, you know, social awareness. So that's how I got there. I think that was pretty brief <laughs> for the most well, part. Samara, thank you for sharing that. And um, that, that was a great way to get us kicked off. So Deidre, I'll ask the same of you. Um, share your background with our audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to meet Samara once before we got together. And I just want to say that, you know, your story is, thank gosh, because without security leaders implementing this, I can't sleep at night. Like I've been out here talking about this for the last six years when I realized that I represent the 1% 
you know, female tech founders, self-funded is 1%, right? And so uh, it's great to be here with you. I'm so excited to dialogue with both of you. And uh, and so, you know, uh, Deidre Diamond, founder of CyberSN, uh, we are where talent meets its match. We are absolutely going to um, stop the madness of searching and matching digitally being so poor that it's causing even more strain to uh, our cyber professionals and really all professionals, but certainly we're focused in the cyberspace since I've came up through the cyberspace. It's really near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm a sociologist, criminal justice by school, and then came up through sales. And, you know, us sales folks, we were taught EQ, even though it wasn't called EQ, it was called soft skills and people don't really like that. So now our industry is using EQ. Uh, But really the reality is we were taught some serious skills. And so when I started getting asked the question of how did I get to where I'm at? The main thing that, you know, really uh, is the framework is that I work in an emotionally intelligent environment. And that means a place where people embraced uh, each other for mental safety and allowed people to be themselves and have the ability to speak without fe- you know, being made to feel uh, negative. Uh, never mind you know, other things that weren't in the environment like sexual harassment and so forth for me. And so, uh, and then you got roles and responsibilities clearly defined, which is a part of an intelligent EQ environment. And, you know, great things happen. I've had an amazing career and got to work with amazing people. And so I want to get out and spread, you know, what are the, what are those skills? Uh, and I have been for a long time. And so it's great to be with you both to really dig into this topic. Well, Deidre, thank you so much for, for sharing that background. And I think you, you, you teed this up quite nicely because what I want to ask both of you is, you know, first to get a, a, a formal or functioning definition of emotional intelligence. And so, Deidre, I'll stay with you. Can you can you help us define emotional intelligence? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, EQ is a noun and it's um, the uh, other half of our personalities, uh, which the, you know, IQ and EQ. So EQ is the capacity to be aware of and control and express one's emotions to so be aware of one's emotions, express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. That is my favorite definition of emotional intelligence. Whereas IQ, of course, also a noun, is the abbreviation of intelligence quotient, which is a person's level of intelligence measured by a test. Two different, right? So, so uh, you know, it, both of them together make our personalities. Okay, great. Deidre, thank you for sharing that. And so, Samara, I'll, I'll come to you and ask for that working definition of emotional intelligence. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, I, I try to influence others to incorporate this into their professional development. So, my definition will not be as eloquent as, as Deidre's, but I would never expect it to. <laughs> so, essentially, what I try to tell people is you have a sort of, um, and I steal the words from emotional intelligence itself, you have the awareness of your own personal experience, how it's affected you, right? And, and you try to um, improve from a po- in a positive way that when it comes out of you and you put it out into the universe, it is that positive and that influence across and up and down. And 
and your family and to your kids and to your peers and to your leaders. Um, but essentially, it's this realm of positivity within and outside. And that might be ambition. It might be charitable efforts. It, it could be whatever you want it to be. Um, just have a goal, make it positive and, you know, <laughs> get better within and make sure that what you're putting out into the world is, um, is something that you'd want in your own world. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's so well said. I love the, how you took the positive energy piece because the opposite is you could be putting out negative energy. So if one doesn't even, you know, take this conversation on with themselves, there, there's high likelihood that they could be putting out negative energy mm-hmm. or, you know, also just, you know, neutral energy doesn't benefit society either. You know, neutral just means things are, you know, sort of bouncing randomly and who knows where it goes. And so that positive piece, you're absolutely right to to focus on that because that's, you know, the ultimate result if one really takes this on that we need is that positive energy. It's so much more powerful than negative. And yet uh, it really is a skill based on whatever our brains have been programmed to be back before the age of seven, which is one of the most fascinating things I've ever learned. It changed my life, which was uh, in a transformational mind dynamics course. I was in my young thirties and I was told two things. I was told that uh, my brain chooses its emotions. No, nobody makes my emotion happen. You're choosing that emotion. And uh, the fact that I have the choice to choose the emotion was so empowering that, I, you know, I love to just share it around the world. Yeah. Like what? Somebody should have told me this before because what everybody told me before was 50, 50, you know, like it's 50% me and it's 50% you in terms of a relationship. And it's not, it's, Literally, whatever relationship I want to have, I can have. And Mm -hmm. that is so powerful. And when we talk about this in work, which I I mistakenly didn't share that I'm also the founder of Secure Diversity, which is now five years in really this conversation slash solutions and really making a difference in uh, women and minorities in general in cybersecurity, getting what they need, never mind getting in. And really, you can't have the conversation of diversity and inclusion and not have the conversation of emotional intelligence, because if your managers in your organization don't have high emotional intelligence, which is what Samara is talking about versus the low is the negative (laughs) projection, then you can never have diversity and inclusion because diversity comes from inclusion. Inclusion comes from high EQ skills. And then diversity can come, you know, uh, this is, it is a formula. Right. It's, it's, it's very much chicken and egg, not chicken or egg. I love the conversation. And, you know, one of the things that stood out, and I think you said it, Deidre, it's EQ plus IQ, right? So that's, that's the whole person. Samara, you talked about emotional intelligence, not just being bound by your professional life, right? You, you talked about how it kind of spills over into everything. So you've got whole person, emotional intelligence spilling over into other areas of life. But then Deidre, one of the last things you said was um, we have agency. We have the ability to choose. So it's not my spouse's fault. It's not my partner's fault. It's not them over there. It's, it's, it's really me. Yeah. And my boss. 
Yes, it's it's it is it is the choices that we as individuals make that really can set you free. And you you nailed it. That's the choice, right? Meaning your boss may be somebody or your spouse or whoever may be somebody that is not good for your life. Then then you have the choice to, to leave that. Now, that's easier said than done when it comes to economic status, when it comes to possible abuse. And so I do no way do I say that without a heavy heart. And yet without that, that example is a very severe example. Imagine if that example is in everything we do. You know, the little decisions that we make every day that add up to the big ones. And so, yes, in essence, we we create our own lives. And, and again, I, I think that that's, you know, void of economic status uh, issues and void of abuse issues. This only applies outside of those circumstances. Uh, and, and, and a lot of us, particularly in cybersecurity and tech, you know, those of us, we, ha- we, we have, and this I say all the time, we have no right not to own this. Like we literally have no right mm-hmm. considering what's happening out in the world and how many people are unhomed and don't have any near the opportunities that we all had to get here, even if it was hard to get here. It's not the same hard. And there are more of those people than us, which is really frightening. And so we have no, we, we you know, we, we got to own this. Like this is the place it has to be owned. And, and we're not. And that's the that's the part that's so frustrating. We're not. And uh, so thank goodness these conversations are happening more and more. And people like you, Sean, you, you know, putting putting this front and center, really the, this training, this is training that has to get as much as the, the hard skills and companies have to invest and support this this conversation in training dollars. Like, uh, you know, what you did with um, the strengths test, I'm sure was was the company. Did the company invest in that tomorrow that you were yep. working with? Yeah. Yes. However, it was only and nothing against Cardinal Health, but it was only invested in for leaders. Right. So technical leaders, managers and above. Whereas I'm like, um, these people were expecting them to grow internally. Right. Do we not want them to have them, those skills already? But. I'm pretty vocal anyway, so I don't think my boss of mine <laughs> is yeah. saying that. Yeah, well, look, yeah. Cardinal Health is a is, is ahead of most companies in mm-hmm. in putting the strength finders these days. I mean, it used to be very common. I mean, strength finders, Myers Briggs, situational leaderships, all those great programs, which those are great programs. They came from the manufacturing era, like that was implemented at four, and then here we are. Like in the era of technology, and like you said, it's barely at the, the the top of training, if at all. And it's like, oh my gosh! And now we're in a service industry. We're not even in a in a manufacturing plant where you don't talk to each other all day. It's even worse uh, of a of a situation. So uh, so good for them to do that, and well pointed is that everybody needs it and it needs to be continuous. That's just the the framework for the conversation or some pieces to it. There are skills like win-win communication and listening skills and, you know, making and managing measurable agreements. That's that's all a part of emotional intelligence skills. Well, where, who's doing that training? I do my own, you know, like I wouldn't even know where to go find anything so in depth. Other than hiring somebody to do that for your organization and just own, yeah. you know, let alone let alone affordable, right? I took a, Ber- a Berkman test, and not everybody can afford a five hundred dollar leadership test to learn more about themselves. But I think uh, something that you said there, right? The the before and the after when I took it five years ago versus when I took it now, and I think about the certain things that happened in my life that have changed me. 
Whereas other people feel as though they've stayed the same. And I think if people really took a second to look at themselves and understand what makes them tick, I think they could really, that, that's where the real growth, it was when you can look into yourself personally. Cause I, and I've lived it. It's not a cocky thing to say. I've, I've lived that growth and it's tough. It is tough, um, yeah. but I'm going to continue, continue to do it. And this, this might be a study that Deidre, you, you and I may have to look into, but I bet if we took all of the complaints from LinkedIn, right? The things that we see people put in comments on different posts, mm-hmm. why they left their job, what makes them want a promotion, why they don't like the company culture. I bet a lot of that is rooted in a lack of emotional intelligence by said person that made complaint or the the industry, the company as a whole. Because when we think about emotional intelligence, I mean, I have a mind map in my brain right now based on this conversation where we're talking about control, <laughs> choices, influence. Like, all if you want something to happen, you've got to look at yourself and you've got to look around you. Yeah. It's, plain, it's relatively plain and simple. Without a doubt. And, you know, when you were talking, it made me remember that when I went to my first EQ training, which was the transformational mind dynamics training, it was because I was struggling with relationships outside of work. Like I, it's inside of work. I was the relationship master and, you know, my career was crushing it in, from that perspective. And, uh, but at home, Mm-mm. nope, didn't. And, and so it, that's what, when you said earlier, this really, it goes both ways. It doesn't mean that I didn't get better though at what I was doing. And I know I did because I was able to make, handle those boardrooms of all men and, you know, funding tech software companies and doing all those things. Uh, and I remember those skills coming in handy. That being said, my point is to everybody, you don't have to be in some bad place to want to take this on or be, be not succeeding in your management seat today. This is really, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. It's a conversation about understanding how the brain works, understanding the emotions uh, and how they're created, the program of the brain and how your emotions were created. And then, and then what are your responses? When do you get mad? When do you get sad? When do you get happy? When do you cry? And unthink about those things so that you can choose them and eventually be more in your conscious brain than your subconscious brain, which is choosing for you. And that, that, is, that happens, but you can never be much in the conscious brain because that's just how the brain works. But being more in the conscious brain or higher in the conscious brain comes from the practice of this conversation of looking at how we behave, looking at how our behavior impacts others. This is really powerful stuff. When we do this consistently, we actually grow and grow and the EQ can grow forever. Unlike IQ caps out at brain, full brain development, uh, whatever that age that is for each other. And so it's really important to understand how much it impacts our lives. Even if things are going good for you, they can go better. (laughs) You know, they can go better. Let's make them better. Well, I I was listening to, um, so I I rode my bike this morning and I don't, I don't listen to music. I listen to audiobooks, and I was listening to professional troublemaker, right? Which is something I love to identify with. And she talked about services, right? Being um, good, fast, or cheap. And you can't have all of them. You can only have two of them. So if it's good and fast, it's not cheap. If it's fast and cheap, it's probably not good and so on and so forth. And I I applied that to my personal life because I'm a, a new mom of three kids, adoption, all that. There's a lot of EQ that goes into that, a ton of EQ that goes into that. And what I, I struggle with is, am I being a good family person, a good professional person, or a good people person, myself person, right? Can I do all three? And I think essentially what we're saying here is, yeah, I can. It's just going to take, 
it's going to take some work. It's going to take looking at those different areas of emotional intelligence and just growing and not stopping until, you know, obviously no one's perfect, but not stopping until you're, you're truthfully happy and maybe even go beyond that. I love that you just said that, not stopping until you're truthfully happy. You know, I've made a lot of changes in my life on the quest for happiness and saying, I got to know before I die. Is it possible? Is it possible to live in 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 a in a relate in whatever whatever relationship I and relationships I want in my life? Can I do that? And so I love that. And I can tell you, just hit fifty this year, and and I've been in this place of feeling for a few years now. It's taken quite some time. It didn't mean I didn't enjoy the road here, but really feeling grounded, particularly as a woman, where we're brought up and Disney teaches us the things that really don't work for us, right? Uh, right. Never mind what everybody Preaching else to the choir here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but when I think about what you know, you just said in terms of your life and three kids and and what you're doing and, and knowing how much you're you're really crushing your career. The first thing that came to my mind, it's all going to be about how you produce self care for yourself, and that's and that's true for all of us because we can all you're giving to a lot of people. You have a high profile role that gives to lots of people the whole org. Never mind your direct reports and your family, your children. Uh, and so really your strength is, is your physical and mental strength is what will be the support of it all. You know, our bodies are our temples for our mind. Mm -hmm. They keep them so that we can move. And so that, and that is really important. And again, as somebody with 28 years old, I, I weighed 310 pounds. I was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. I was making so much money. It's, uh, it was ridiculously wonderful. And uh, yet, I ended up in the hospital with heart fib and, you know, all these things being super unhealthy. And then I went, what am I do? You know, like, and people are following me. And I remember thinking, I'm teaching these kids this, you know, I had maybe at that time, a hundred reports up through the work at 28. And so uh, I, you know, completely reformed that. And, and I know my, I found uh, exercise for sure, but yoga uh, and which is breathing really. It's not, don't think gym yoga, everybody it's breathing. Uh, techniques. Uh, and, uh, and, and I've never felt younger, more, you know, more comfortable. A lot of it's just wisdom and experience. The rest is health. And so it's, it's, it's really a health, physical and mental health, uh, you know, thing we're talking about here to do, to do it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah. And you were just, you're just goals. I mean, cause I, so I am currently 28, right? So oh. I feel like I, I'm in a good, I'm in a good spot and making good choices based on what you're saying. I'm like, if I'm doing well, Deja's doing at 50, man, I'm going to be good to go. But in terms of your, your happiness question, I think it's, I try to just keep in mind that it's all relative and it has a lot to do with acceptance too, and accepting where your life is at this point, accepting how you're feeling and accepting that that is that is the key to happy, happiness in a lot of ways is is acceptance It's not settling yes. but acceptance yeah yeah and one one of my coaches used to always say why ask why like if you mm -hmm. can't answer these these things aren't get answerable and if you just continue to find out why when they're not answerable then you will never be settled yeah you, you, you know, I think that's exactly what you're saying there uh, and when I think about our workforce. And particularly the cybersecurity workforce who are our protectors and, and hopefully lots of them will be listening to this. I, I, I think about how they're always, always fighting problems, always solving problems, not a lot of wins. And that job in itself adds extra 
pressure on our minds beyond because it's it's like they see things that are possibilities uh, and, and everything needs to be a major possibility. And that's just a heightened sense of awareness of an attack or strength. Gosh, like, you know, so so they need even more nurturing. I'm I'm advocating uh, to to think past that everybody has to sort of be dealt with the same, you know, uh, uh, where, you know, doctors and nurses have places to rest. You know, maybe, maybe cybersecurity professionals should have places to rest, you know, and it, yeah. I know when an incident's happening, I, I have a cyber team. I know what it's like. Thank goodness I've never lasted past a 24 hour experience, but I know most of them last longer and those folks are up for days and weeks and everybody's under pressure and oh my gosh, for months at times, particularly all the folks that are out there consulting and, and never mind in-house. And it, it, we got to figure out a way to care for them differently. It, it's it's something yeah. to think about, you know? Yeah. Well, and I'm, I, I resonate with this quite a bit, obviously, you know, as a practitioner or a leader of practitioners. And while I'm not in the incident response, space and I never have been and I I don't really want to be for my own sanity okay but because of exactly what you're saying right and I do I have threat intelligence where you have to be okay or or confident in what you're delivering to your teams because you don't actually know what's going to happen but you're mm-hmm. trying to anticipate that you're trying to do predictions um and that that can be tough that can be tough on the psyche and and, and your confidence level. and you have vulnerability management with, where everyone is struggling Everyone, there's not a vulnerability management team out there that does it perfectly because their asset management is probably crap. So, and it's a moving target, right? Last year, how many zero days <laughs> were there, right? And how many trending vulnerabilities or old vulnerabilities that still exist that threat actors are exploiting? And we have to worry about all of them, right? And then who, if, if a company does have a cyber attack, what are, what are people thinking about? Well, what did their leaders not do? Exactly. Right. Who to blame? No, who, who, who is that blame there? So think about that. I mean, you just have this weight on your shoulders or I'm doing the best I can, but like in a, a month from now, a year from now, it might not be enough. It, yeah. it might not be enough. How do we combat that? Yeah. Yeah. And how do they, how do they go home and sleep knowing? And so I'll tell you what, this is the scariest part. Like if 89% of the marketplace answered in surveys that, you know, they would be open to a new opportunity. So if that's the case, and I know it's the case, uh, uh, then they're not worrying. Or if they are worrying, are they alone? And who's going to help them and that stress? And so we've either got worrying going on, you know, instead of sleeping, and there's nobody to really help out because everybody's understaffed and there's no succession planning going on. Or we've got culture doesn't really create it such that I'm worrying in bed at night. And so those vulnerabilities aren't really getting cared for. I mean, it's, it's like it, to the level they could be if somebody was super concerned about that organization. And I don't blame the professionals. I'm like, I want them going home, worrying in bed. And yet you can get the point for, because we're not keeping cybersecurity professionals, you know, happy by really thinking about how to do that and then doing it, they're vulnerable. They're a vulnerability in, in, the, yeah. in themselves because they're not as inspired as we need a human to be in that type of a role to want to go above and beyond. And who's to blame them? Again, 
Right. Considering that they're prob- it all stems from the culture and how they're treated. Uh, and, and it's not even a conscious thought, by the way. I don't want to put this out there. There's no way that some cyber professional is making a conscious thought to, to sort of untune or unplug or not, you know, think more about that opportunity. It's just all of us, we don't go the extra mile if we're not inspired to go the extra mile, no matter what our job is, no matter where yep. we. So totally. that's the thing that makes me bummed out too. It's just knowing that the people we need inspired the most to feel, they should feel the most prestigious. Like our scientists get to feel or whatever. I don't like, yeah. I want them to feel so prestigious, you know, that they're, um, you know, uh, inspired for their yeah. job. Well, that, yeah, and that's interesting that you say that because I feel like every so often, every few years, let's say three to four, cybersecurity experiences this exodus of people rotating companies, right? Somebody's leaving a company, there's another one open because that person's left and it's just this cycle of people moving, especially in, in Columbus, we call it the 270 shuffle, where people just move around the highway, literally, <laughs> the companies, right? Um, and I, that what is what is retention? What's the root of that? It's emotional intelligence, right? Diversity, it's inclusion, it's keeping people where you need them to stay. And what's interesting that you said that, because now I'm thinking, like, has my my mindset been, I don't want to say wrong, because I never want to admit that I'm wrong exactly. But, uh, (laughs) you know, when people move on, I'm like, good for them, right? They they have something. Yeah, that's that's what we've had to say. That's what we've had to say. Um, and if I moved on, I would want people to say good, you know, good for me, but also maybe I would want them to say, how could we have kept her so that they can pay that forward? Right. Yes. So, yes. So I was just going to say, so I'm listening to this dynamic conversation. And one of the things that I want to ask of both Deidre and Samara. So this whole concept of the exit interview, because Samara, you just mentioned the the 270 shuffle, right? And the fact that you would want someone to say, hey, good on you, Sam. Kudos for moving on to XYZ, right? And so that, that, that exit interview is typically where you would be able to give feedback. What, what, is, what, is, what are your thoughts on the validity of the exit interview in light of this conversation around emotional intelligence? I think it has little to no validity uh, <laughs> at all. I, I tell my clients this all the time, you know, like they, they need a reference. I mean, and maybe they got this job without the reference for you. We all need references. That's the way the system works. And everybody now knows at this point that you say something on the way out. Not only are you not getting a reference, but most likely, you know, it's going to cause drama and nothing's going to change. I mean, that's the senses today. It's so It's so fascinating that, my clients will, you know, people will say, well, they, somebody, not my clients, but when they come to it, somebody left because they got $50,000 more. I'm like, they didn't take the phone call knowing they were going to get $50,000 more. There's, a, you know, and that's what we need to be thinking about is, okay, I get that. Maybe now it's a better opportunity. But what made you take the phone call? Why were they even open to that call? And that's what we've got to be looking at. And and we find comfort in knowing that, oh, it's a better opportunity because it's more money and we couldn't possibly come up with the 50. And I'll tell you, as somebody who worked with the same two serial entrepreneurial men for 21 years across three different companies, I never took a phone call. My career was always up front and center conversation on a regular basis, never mind the training that I had. And 
nobody would have lured me away just by talking about money. You know, like uh, I was in money conversations with the people I was with. So if I those people treated me well and, and I was happy, humans aren't interested in doing all this movement for jobs. It's super overwhelming and emotionally stressful. And until the dot-com bomb, boom, bomb, that's funny. Uh, it never happened. Like people didn't leave jobs. I was recruiting in 1994 and the, the, the tech companies taught me how to get people to leave, you know, and take the opportunity, which is talking about money in the stock market versus your raises and your bonuses. Now that was a, that is really what changed the game to retention is there really was that stock play. And in those circumstances, that is a better opportunity. If somebody can get, you know, 10 times the kind of money, like I get it. You got to go, you got to listen. Like, you know, so, so we are dealing with that because the stock market has come into the cyberspace and that is a part of, in general, that's not happening for the majority of people from a stock option perspective. And, uh, and people would prefer to be on a team, like a team where you're together, like we thrive in that. Most people, again, I don't want to speak for everybody. So it is, it is interesting to think about how we can find shelter under these, you know, great, re- great reasons for leaving, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and we must not, I don't think. I think we're better sticking together, growing together, developing together. It's also funner, you know? Yeah. Well, in terms of exit interviews, I just ask uh, for what? Are you really going to do something about it after somebody says something? Yeah. Are they really telling you the truth? No, nobody's telling you. Because exactly what Deidre said, everyone needs a reference. Like cybersecurity, information security, whatever you want to call it, it is so small. You burn a bridge, 10 other people are going to know about that burn bridge. Okay. It is way too small to ruin your trajectory based off of an inter- exit interview. But also, <laughs> I, would, I would challenge said manager, director, whomever is giving this exit interview, why don't you already know why they're leaving? Yeah. Why, like, why don't you, you should already know. I am confident that the people on my team, I could say, yeah, they left because they had a better opportunity. They left because they didn't have enough training dollars. They left because the culture didn't fit with their their purpose and their mission and their and their own lives, right? You should already know, plain and simple. Yeah. And it's okay to, to, to keep them from quitting if you really miss the ball and you genuinely care about them. It is, you know, this, 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 this out there, you know, I never take a counter offer. I tell Mike, team, don't ever say that to somebody. I mean, the majority of the time, it's not a good idea because most people really don't give a you know what. Mm -hmm. The the ones who do and you have a relationship and you personally didn't go talk to them, didn't share how you were feeling, didn't be accountable to, you know, speaking what's going on for you, well, then give them a chance to have that discussion. I really believe that we're not, we know we're not perfect. It, it happened to me recently. And uh, I'm so thankful that the, that, that the person stayed from the perspective of understanding that we were, we were, we were behind you and we did get a little bit lost for about three months. And, and I apologize. And I remember him saying, what, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, like, and, and, and exactly. I didn't even know how much everybody cared. And it's like, what? You know, like uh, we love you, and we love everybody here, and that's 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 a that's a great you know lesson for us. And sorry, and and it wasn't money at all. It was right. just you know the right attention that's needed. So, uh, yeah, we 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 should. I wasn't surprised because I knew that uh, you know hiring a manager in that department and was alone, and you know, like I'm not. I was like you said, I wasn't surprised. How could you not know? <laughs> yeah. 
so it is these exit interviews. Everybody also knows that they're there to protect the company, human resources, not to protect mm-hmm. the individual. So right. That's- well, and name name a more uh, paranoid or skeptical group of people. <laughs> you can't. It's cybers. They have the most paranoid and skeptical people. So when you talk about feedback, right? When you talk about getting people's truthful opinions, you have to be vulnerable, open, honest, upfront in the beginning, not in the middle, because they're going to be like, what? Why? Why are you asking me all these questions? You never did this before, right? Anonymous surveys, never going to work. Never going to work. Okay? Nobody's going to answer it. We don't believe in it. Okay? Nothing is anonymous. It's it's just, it just all, it goes back to emotional intelligence. I can't, that's, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, that's what it talks about. Yep. And so, Samara, that's actually a a great, segue and tie in back to the importance of emotional intelligence in secu- in cybersecurity, information security. Deidre, I'll, I'll go with you on that. And we've touched on it throughout the talk, but I mean, just codify for us that importance of EQ in cybersecurity. Yeah, well, I think cybersecurity is one of the most misunderstood, you know, um, fields we have because it's the newest and there are majority of it's very technical, but it's also vast. You know, we have 45 job categories. And so uh, we're short 500,000 just in the U.S. and millions worldwide. And getting these folks skilled and, and valuable in terms of knowledge is, you know, years out of school. And so, you know, when you couple that with, um, these retention statistics we have of, you know, chief information security officers moving in around 18 months and the, the, the most seniors moving at that level, then, you know, everything rolls downhill, as we know, which is a lot of uncertainty and doubt, fear. And and, and so, you know, we, we and, and those C-suites are working for people that don't know how to communicate with them, don't understand what they do, putting them in positions that are unfair most of the time, not understanding how to care for them. So it's not their fault. They're getting into, I mean, most people don't even know what the job is that they need done. Uh, I had to build a whole job building technology just to solve the problem with, right? And so that's the, the that's where we see the lack of EQ, the lack of understanding what these people do, how to put, position them in your organization, how to support them in your organization, how to give them the right funding. It is still so infancy for so many organizations that it's a vulnerability for us in our national security, our, our individual security, because these are our protectors and war is now digital and it's um, also diverse, you know, attackers are of all backgrounds and we don't have a highly diverse defending team. And if our if our defending team isn't diverse, well, then how can they even think about the things that the diverse people are thinking about, right? It's this, we must think like the attackers conversation. And so we're in this battle also for diversity uh, while we're already struggling with inclusion, which is what retention is. Uh, which is, and so it's a it's a it's a problem. It's a big problem, and we're lots of wonderful people are out there solving in many different ways. And yet, ah, we have to really wake everybody up. And there are regulatory laws and things that are helping us, like the Equal Pay Act, or just retention bonuses or financial, um, you know, penalties for lack of retention. Things that are happening at the public level. It's small and slow, as we know, unfortunately. Thank goodness it's happening because it does help. Well, Deidre, that that is a great point. And Samara, I want to ask you to jump in and share your thoughts on the importance of EQ as it relates to cybersecurity. Yeah, so I, um, I love the position that I'm in right now. 
right? So although middle management sucks sometimes, right? We all know it does. But I, so my perspective has just evolved so much where um, I'm, I'm seeing where the influence is going up in terms of diversity, inclusion, you know, emotional intelligence, but I also see it from a more tactical level and an influence when it comes to my team and other teams. So when we talk about emotional intelligence, and I talked about positive insides, and then making sure that that's also what you give out, um, going back to incident responders, making sure they're taking care of themselves, that they can get up and, and fight, literally <laughs> combat another day against cyber criminals to make sure that Threat intelligence analysts and vulnerability management engineers don't feel as uh, you know unfulfilled because they don't know if they're moving the needle in the right direction. I apologize for the the buzzword phrase or buzz phrase, I guess I should say. But you know, when it comes to even like BSOs, application security, you know, analysts, um, DevSecOps individuals, architects, engineering, these are people that have influence, or actually that should have influence that they don't know that they need. Right. So I think it's even more so the fact that people have no idea that they need emotional intelligence. And that's what goes back to those LinkedIn complaints. Right. Yeah. Do you know how to solution these complaints that you are, you know, putting out there? Right. This is something you're putting out into the universe, the internet, and, and, and you don't have anything <laughs> that you know what to do with. Right. And it, it goes back to like that self awareness. Right. So I, I have a question for Deidre, if that's okay with you, Sean, because it's not my podcast. Okay. So do you think at all, and this is my argument, but I'm, and I'm, I'm more than happy to be corrected, but do you think that emotional intelligence starts with that self-awareness piece? And the reason I'm asking this is because my department has done this sort of emotional intelligence kick and I love it. Right. But I see a lot of the people in my department that lack that self-awareness piece. And they also, they're just like, why do I need this? And I'm like, you, you really don't know why <laughs> you need this, you know? So do you think it starts with that piece and goes everywhere else? Totally, totally. Um, In fact, you know, that, that first class that I went to was a weekend of three days. And it was fascinating to watch how people really only got what was there, what they projected when they saw it in somebody else. Like mm. we were all there thinking what I was thinking, what the I'm going because, you know, my, my soon to be ex-husband, you know, is begging me to go. I'm going to go for him. I'm perfect. Works great. You know, and then I show up at this thing and uh, I learned a lot about myself and it was rough to see because I thought I was so perfect. And yet it all started there. It all started with my awareness to myself. And that was the first time I hadn't yet been exposed to Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders or any of the situational leadership. That all started right after. I ended up then taking that trainer into, at the time I was at Rapid7 as the VP of Sales, brought them into Rapid7 and since have been doing that. So I think that group, you know, setting actually makes the awareness happen faster too. Not only do I think it is the beginning. Now, I can tell you though, that from again, from a work perspective, because the environment I worked in was so emotionally, intelligently high in the management leadership space, that even though I didn't have my game outside the office, I was able to have game in the office. And so I'm not sure if one starts, you know, really before the other, without the other, now that I think about it here live, because I was capable of creating genuine relationships in that environment 
and being myself. And I wasn't capable outside with my significant other situations. And so uh, it is interesting to think maybe that environment gave me that ability, whereas my social environment growing up in society as a woman and how to be that person didn't. And so, I, you know, maybe it's just that if, if there's enough emotional intelligence around, one can be fairly prosperous. Now, through the pursuit of happiness, it's solely <laughs> one. But, you know, being around others is still better than not, I guess, is the lesson there for me as I speak here. That's a good question. Well, ladies, we are not done with this conversation by any stretch of the imagination. I, I do want our listeners to know that we are going to push pause at, at this point in the conversation, just to be mindful of the time that we have together. But I, I do want to put this out there to the audience. We're going to get Deidre and Samara's contact information. We will put that in the show notes. Um, Deidre and her company put together some phenomenal resources that we will make available. But please avail yourselves of the things that we are going to put out in the show notes. I also want to encourage you, please reach out to Deidre and Samara directly after you hear this episode. Why do you say that, Sean? Well, here's why. Because what I find is when you follow up with the people that are sharing the information, it does two things. It connects you directly to the source and it gives the source the opportunity to know that what they are sharing is actually making a difference. So it's a double benefit. It's you reaching out directly to Deidre and Samara saying, hey, you mentioned this thing during the podcast. I want to follow up with you on that. And then it allows Deidre and Samara to continue speaking to you directly. And it creates that relationship. It creates that synergy that we're always looking for. And so with that, again, this is only a pause, but Deidre, What's the best way for people to get in contact with you? DD at CyberSN. I'm super open to that. It doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> That's my email. Okay, great. And Samara, what's what's the best way for folks to get in contact with you? Please don't email me. I, you will not make it to me. <laughs> I am the worst with email. So Deidre, I, mean, I may need some mentoring uh, there from you. But uh, actually, I'm super active on LinkedIn and Twitter. You, you will hear from me if you reach out there like a... A true millennial. <laughs> All right. And so again, we are we are only beginning this conversation and our guests, we will have you back to to share more because honestly, we had this structured with questions, but this conversation was so free flowing, which indicates there is so much more to be shared around EQ in cybersecurity. And so ladies, we'll have this conversation again very soon. But for the sake of time, we will say Thank you so much for being with us. And Tech and Main Presents family, thank you as well for listening. And be sure to tune in next time when we have another technology expert, or in this case, series of experts, share their wisdom. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to another episode of Tech and Main Presents. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Don't forget to tell your friends. And thanks for being a part of the Tech and Main Presents community.